Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, A Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Christy and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Tuesday, February 26th. Today we are reading from the big book and we are at page 143, the first full paragraph. It starts with, is your man. Today's readers are Helena, Paula, Marcia, and Eddie. The reference number for Monday, February 25th, is 3975. That's 3975. The OA preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. This meeting's primary purpose is to abstain, to recover from compulsive overeating, and to carry this message of recovery to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will ask Marietta to read the 12 steps, please. Hi, this is Marietta. 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admit we are powerless over food and that our lives have become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people whenever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we try to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. And I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Marietta. I will now ask Anne S. to read the 12 traditions, please. Hi, good morning. My name is Anne. I'm a compulsive overeater from Pennsylvania. The 12 traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. 
Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, OA, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. And twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Anne. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass. Then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book. We're on page 143. We're in the first full paragraph. And I will ask Helena to begin reading, please. Good morning. This is Helena. Page 143. If your man accepts your offer... It should be pointed out that physical treatment is but a small part of the picture. Though you are providing him with the best possible medical attention, he should understand that he must undergo a change of heart. To get over drinking will require a transformation of thought and attitude. We all had to place recovery above everything, for without recovery, we would have lost both home and business. I would like to share briefly on this. Of course, we are talking to the employer, and the employer is going to offer the alcoholic uh, time to clear his mind and body of the effects of alcohol. And the cost of this is going to be deducted later on from this alcoholic case, so he's not getting this for free either. Um, This is, of course, because it's directed to the employer, we can learn a lot from it, but keep in mind always that it is not to us as sponsors, but to 
the employer, trying to show the employer that this alcoholic is a sick person and what can be done about it. Um, so physical treatment is but a small part of that picture. Yes, and how confused I was for so many years thinking that abstinence, the physical part of the program, was the program. And no, to get over drinking will require a transformation of thought and attitude. I need to be have my mind cleared of the effects of whatever my addiction, in my case it was food, and certain foods that set me up. But those, once they're cleared, then it's time to do the work. And at that point, this person will, according to, I believe, what uh, Bill W. is writing, that person will be then turned over to uh, the program of recovery, to the sponsor, to the people who have experience with this, so that to get over drinking and have the, the required transformation of thought and attitude, we need the 12 steps. We all have to place a recovery above everything. And that is going to be the bottom line. Pass. Thank you, Helena. Would anyone else like to share on what was read? This is Paula. May I share? Sure, Paula. Go ahead. Thank you. You know, as I, as that was being read, what words though? But that part, about a small part of the picture, the physical treatment. Well, see, there the transformation. As far as I was concerned, in my mind, that was the biggest part of the picture. It was like you had it three quarters done. Oh, sweetheart, no, no. You had it one quarter done, but done it was. Now to complete the picture, and that was it. There the transformation to realize that was the small part. Now for the big part, a change of heart. What does the heart do, sweetheart? That heart beats and pumps to every part of your body, your mind, everything. Everything had to change with the mind, and they're the beginning. And then the picture is complete, and I love the way they wrote it. Of thought, oh, wait a minute, just in case you might have missed this part, an attitude, how I think, how I think. And that part. We all had to place recovery above everything. Well, that seems kind of, you know, like, wow, you, you're talking about my job here, my employer, my, uh, me being an employee, wherever. Yes, whatever, because it said clearly, you will have lost both home and business. Recovery has to be first, above all, and then all will follow. That's the way of it. Thank you for allowing me to share and with that. I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Would anyone else like to share on this particular paragraph? Good morning. morning. This is Margaret. Leah. Margaret and then Leah. Go ahead, Margaret. Oh, good morning. Good morning. Uh, vision for you. Uh, my name is Margaret, compulsive reader in New Jersey. I just wanted to do this um, little sentence or phrase on transformation of thought and attitude. And I was uh, thinking a lot about page 66 the other day. It says, we were prepared to look at it from an entirely different angle. We began to see that, that the world and its people really dominated us. In that state, the wrongdoings of others, fancied or real, had the power to actually kill. How could we escape? 
we saw that these resentments must be mastered. And I was thinking so much, and I you know, went to a meeting with my sponsor last night and, and just thought about this transformation of thought. You know, my thoughts around um, this faulty reliance is, is really starting to take a hold on me. I'm starting to see uh, this faulty reliance as being that I need to have this transformation of thought and attitude because when I allow uh, things and situations, you know, wanting them to go my way, they actually have the power to kill me. And I have to move away from that as quickly as possible. But I didn't know how to before, of course. But I'm learning, you know, I'm learning that when I feel these resentments, you know, I just say to myself, Margaret, run, run as fast as you can, you know, get to the principles as fast as you can because my reliance is uh, misaligned and I need to get it, get it aligned with uh, principles and with God. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thanks, Margaret. Go ahead, Leah. Thank you so much, Christy. Good morning, everybody. My name is Leah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. If your man accepts your offer, it should be pointed out that physical treatment is but a small part of the picture. Indeed, an absolutely necessary part of the picture. Remember, someone like me, a real compulsive overeater has a twofold illness allergy of the body obsession of the mind it is imperative it said at the top of the page that my substance be put down that uh my binge foods are eliminated that's imperative that's absolutely necessary however however as much of a problem that my allergy of the body is that's not the greater aspect of my disease the greater aspect of my disease resides between these two ears of mine. So although, uh, you know, although I might have eliminated my substances, I like to say the monkey may be off my back, but the circus is still in town, meaning I got to deal with what floats around my brain up here. It says to get over drinking will require a transformation of thought and attitude. Uh, You know, in order to be recovered, you have to have a spiritual awakening, a psychic change, a personality change. What is a personality? A personality is is made up of one's outlook and attitude and ideas and emotions on life. So I had to have a transformation. To be recovered requires a transformation, a change of thought and attitude. That has nothing to do with a food plan. That is the spiritual journey and the, and the personality change that is possible through the implementation of the steps that are clearly written on these pages so that I could change from what I had become in my disease of compulsive overeating to that which God intends for me to be. And that's a marvelous experience, and that experience is available and possible for everyone. I had to change from what I was when I came here to something entirely different. Because I came here restless, irritable, and discontent. And I came here filled with resentment, filled with fear, filled with guilt and shame. And I came here very selfish And I came here very inconsiderate, and I came here dishonest and self-seeking and extremely frightened. And because of those conditions which resided in my mind, that always led me back to the cellophane bag and the bakery box. Now, if I could change from that 
landscape that I just described to something entirely different, I will have changed my personality sufficient to bring about recovery. And that's exactly what this program did. This program took me from that self-centered existence to a God-centered existence. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah. This is Christy, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And, um, you know, these chapters we've been reading to wives, the family afterward, to employers, um, what they're saying to the people that we spend the most time with is that they should expect that when we get into recovery, we should be changing. We should change. It might take us a minute, but, but we need to change. You know, and, and they should expect, you know, living with us, the people where we spend our, the most time, they should expect that we are going to change. And this particular paragraph, you know, what this particular paragraph says to the employers is, you know, you, you don't want a wet drunk working for you and you don't want a dry drunk working for you either. You know, it's not enough that someone's just going to stop drinking if their behavior is going to continue. You know, they're going to continue... Um, you know, padding the expense account and, you know, treating customers poorly and not doing 100% um, of a good job at work, those kinds of things. It's saying, you know, even though, you know, your man, your employee stops drinking, they should change and become a better employee. That's what you can expect from them. That's what you can expect from them. And you can expect that because uh, these people should be putting recovery first. Because, you know, if I put recovery first, then everything I do is going to be first class. You know, there's a quote like that in the big book. And, you know, it just, it reminds me, you know, when I was in active addiction, you know, when I got my performance review, it did not say in there, Christy does an excellent job unwrapping candy bars in a bathroom stall so quietly that you don't know what she's doing in there. It's amazing. You know, no one had that on my performance review. In the same way that my performance review in recovery says, you know, Christy has a much better sense of fashion now that she's been maintaining her weight for 10 years. You know, she can tuck a shirt in and she can put a belt on and, you know, she's tall and slender. You know, it doesn't say that in my performance review. It doesn't say that in my performance review. What it says is Christy is collaborative. Christy works well with other people. Christy does an excellent job. Christy treats people well. You know, Christy is in demand. And Christy is not doing any of that on her own. That's not in my performance review, by the way. Um, you know, that's in my daily recovery. You know, I am aware more than anyone on this planet that I could not do any of that on my own. Bathroom stall, unwrapping candy bars, that I could do very well. But working collaboratively and, you know, being patient with people and being kind with people, all of that is because of recovery, because I have had a transformation in thought and attitude. And that happened because I put the food down. I put the food down and I picked up the big book. I picked up this kit of spiritual tools outlined in the big book that completely transformed the way I am in the world, including at work. And would that all pass? Is there anyone else that would like to share on this before we move on? This is Janice. Janice, go ahead. Good morning, Christy. Good morning, Vision for You. My name is Janice. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. Okay, 
Though you are providing him with the best possible medical attention, he should understand that he must undergo a change of heart, a change of heart. You know, I think it's so significant that they would put that phrase in this paragraph, a change of heart. You know, we're looking for the spiritual solution here in what we're reading. That is what the transformation was for me, a spiritual one. You know, and how's that going to happen? You know, it physical treatment was necessary, yes. But it couldn't be just another diet club. You know, it couldn't be just another diet club. It couldn't be, oh yeah, get your food under control and everything's going to be fine. Because I had tried that. I had tried that. And I'm sure that these alcoholics in this workplace, they've tried that too. They were not stupid. You know, some of them were excellent workers, their employers said. Some of the best salesmen I'd ever had. When he wasn't drinking. When he wasn't drinking. Well, you know, most of the time, I could gather myself together if I was on yet another diet plan. And things could go all right for a while. For a while. So that physical treatment was absolutely necessary but it sure wasn't the real deal, the whole deal, the only deal. That was the spiritual solution. That was the change of heart. And how was that going to happen? Well, we had to place that recovery. We had to place that search above everything else, above everything else. And when I did that, when I buried myself in the steps, when I did everything that I could, to work this program as if my life depended on it, it happened. It happened. And and fear not. You know, fear not. It looks daunting, this task ahead of you. But when you do it, when you work those steps, when you do your inventory, when you give that inventory away, when when you look at how you've harmed other people, you know, that transformation is astonishing and amazing and beautiful. And it happens here. Thank God they're, they're able to get some help in the workplace. You know, because we want to be able to feel this recovery in all aspects, all areas of our lives. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice. Uh, why don't we move to the next paragraph? Paula, would you please read that next paragraph? This would be Paula, Recovered Compulsive Reader. Can you have every confidence in his ability to recover? While on the subject of confidence, can you adopt the attitude that so far as you are concerned, this will be a strictly personal matter? That is his alcoholic derelictions, the treatment about to be undertaken, will never be discussed without his consent. It might be well to have a long chat with him on his return. You know, this is an amazing um, paragraph. Because even with all this the disease and the alcoholism, and, and we do know an unlovely, an unlovely creature, an alcoholic in his cups, as Bill W. writes. But this part here, there is still respect. There is still respect here. There is still dignity here. And he goes to him, and he says, can you have every confidence in his ability to recover? Well, that's a question. That's a question for you to answer to the best of your ability. 
And then it even adds more. Well, while on this subject, can you adopt? Now, look at this, what's happening here. Because remembering, this is to the employees. See, we go back to this. Where is the greatest, like was said, to our home, to where we work? Look at the greatest hours that are spent in these places. And you know what? You're not the first. There are many others. So this is why they're saying we have to adopt the attitude that so far as you are concerned, this will be a strictly personal matter. No matter what anybody sees, no matter what anyone says, we don't get into that aspect of it. The treatment about to be undertaken will never, not sometimes, not when you feel like it, not when somebody asks, never be discussed without his consent. It might well be well to have a long chat with him on his return. I like that word chat. Not a sermon. No, a chat. Look at how they come together even here with respect and dignity for each other and what it is, a disease. Thank you for allowing me to share. And with that, I do pass. Thank you, Paula. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? This is Sharon. Sharon, go ahead. Good morning, Christy. Good morning, Vision, for you. I'm, thank you for being on the line. Thank you for allowing me to share. Uh, I'm looking at this, and and first of all, we've been told that our recovery must come first. We have to put that first above everything else. And then now it's saying that to the employer, to the world, around us, we can expect something back from them. Oftentimes, when we come into recovery and we have to put recovery first, our mind, instead of focusing on our own recovery, we're thinking, in particular, one thing, for instance, as women, oh, my children, I'm, I'm putting so much attention on preparing my food that I'm not paying as much attention to my children. And I even have known women that struggled so much with that that they went back out into the field, out into the food, because they felt that, that, well, my children have to come first. And we have to be very careful because we deal with a disease that is cunning, baffling, and powerful. And it's really too much for us. It's really out there, really trying to drag us back into the food and we'll use any excuse, any excuse. You need to be back here doing this or that. The reality is, is that before we got into, when we were in the food, the food came first before our children, before our jobs, before anything else. Then when we get into the food, that when we get into recovery, all of a sudden we're concerned about our kids and our job and, and how we look and what people think when we have to maybe carry our food because we can't eat what's being served there or for many in program who are weighing and measuring. They have to, to do that, and, and what will people think? Well, the, our recovery has to come first. We have to do what we need to do in order to recover. And, but then the big book says here, He's talking to the to to the to the employer. Now look, he says to them, "This person needs something from you." And we, when we get into recovery, 
what we are doing is going to benefit those around us. So it's okay for us to to ask for something back. It's okay for us to ask for accommodation for our disease. See, we have a disease. It is a disease. It is something that will kill us. It is not something we chose. If we could eat our food and, and be healthy, we would choose that first. But it's just not possible. We have a disease. We have to admit it. And it's okay for accommodations to be made for us. For instance, to privacy, we still can expect to choose to tell, um, that, uh, to tell people that we have a disease or not. It's not for other people to be spreading that about. And so we, why is it that we can have that expectation? Because we are valuable. Our recovery is not only important to us, it is important to our employer because he's going to get a better employee. He's going to get someone who, like Christy was saying earlier, is a good employer, the employee who is thinking about other people, who is ready to serve, who is, who is seeking to understand rather than to be understood. So this employer is going to benefit from our recovery. So to ask for some accommodations for our disease, for instance, they're bringing food in uh, and they're bringing pizza with the, the cheese and the wheat and all of this. And you may not be able to eat that. Well, I need, can you ask for a salad to be brought on with the salad dressing on the side? Can I know what the ingredients are? Because there are certain ingredients that I cannot have. It's okay to ask for those accommodations because you're worth it. Because we need you, the employer needs you healthy because that employer needs to get the job done, and you're the one to get it done. And so value yourself, your family. Well, mom, is all you're, you're getting your food, and what about my food? Well, mom has got to put the oxygen mask on first so that she can be there for those children. Because I know when I was in the food, God forgive me, but I couldn't help myself. I had to get what I needed, and sometimes I couldn't even focus on what my children needed. Our recovery must come first. We are not going to neglect our children when we do our program. We're not going to neglect our work. We're going to become better. And so do not hesitate to ask for special accommodations so that you can stay recovered. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Sharon. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? Hi. Why don't we? It's Monica. Oh, let's see. I heard a couple of people. I heard someone right before you, Monica. Was there someone else that wanted to share on this paragraph? Uh, Adrian. Okay, Adrian, go ahead, and then Monica. Yeah, uh, I think. Was it Paul that was just sharing? Um, um, Paula read the paragraph, yes. Yeah, um, it said that, it, you know, we have to ask for our special accommodations and stuff like that. 
I'm going away next week, and um, my sponsor, you know, wants me to measure, and I was worried about that. And I was thinking, like, how am I going to do it? How am I going to manage? And then, you know, I could take paper plates, and I could take my scale, and I could weigh, and I could ask for the foods that I need, and I could bring the foods that I know I'm not going to be able to get that I, I need. And I don't have to be embarrassed. And when people ask me, as I know, like, you know, my sister, who's, you know, uh, very anti-OA, will be asking me or criticizing me, I can stand up for myself because I know I have a whole program behind me. I have hundreds and hundreds of people, thousands of people that have done this before and have recovered, and I could do it too. I don't have to succumb to the pressures of, of uh, you know, the negative, the toxic verbal, uh, you know, verbiage that I get from my sister, you know. And, and I could go and I could know that I have my higher power with me to give me strength. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Adrian. Monica, go ahead. Thank you, Christy. Good morning, everyone. My name is Monica. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Can you have every confidence in his ability to recover? So in the paragraph before here, we've heard that he, the man is understanding that he needs to undergo a change of heart, uh, a, cha- a transformation of thought and attitude. And I was thinking on page 98 where it says, job or no job, wife or no job. We simply do not stop drinking so long as we place independence upon other people ahead of dependence on God. Burn the idea into the consciousness of every man that he can get well regardless of anyone. The only condition is that he trust in God in a clean house. So his employee here has decided to go on to... Um, He's gotten physical treatment, and he's decided that he wants to continue on here and get uh, a transformation of his mind, of his thinking, a spiritual program, you know, work the AA program here. And, 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 we're being, and then the employer here is being told that, you know, he should never discuss this situation, this to anyone else at work. You know, it's very, very important to keep this man's confidentiality that this is what is happening. You know, you don't go around blabbing to your other employees or whatever that this guy's an alcoholic and he's gone for treatment and whatnot. So this is the information that's being told to the employer here and that it's important that he shares this with his employee, that he will not go around talking about it, that he will keep this in strictest confidence you know, and that's important for us to go away for treatment or whatever, those that do, when you're in a job. You don't want, you know, it blabbed all over the place. And, um, and with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Monica. Marsha, would you please read the next paragraph? Sure. Okay, thank you. I'm Marsha. I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive reader. To return to the subject matter of this book, it contains full suggestions by which the employee may solve his problem. To you, some of the ideas which it contains are novel. Perhaps you are not quite in sympathy with the approach we suggest. 
By no means do we offer it as the last word on this subject, but so far as we are concerned, it has worked with us. After all, are you not looking for results rather than methods? Whether your employee likes it or not, he will learn the grim truth about alcoholism. That won't hurt him a bit, even though he does not go for this remedy. Um, I, I really like this paragraph. Um, what this essentially says is, you know, to the employers, this really emphasizes our book is meant to be suggestive, suggestive only. We realize we only know a little. They're saying right there they don't have all the answers, but they, the employer may not care for this program as it's described, and it's kind of strange to them, but they can't argue with the results. And the bottom line, it can't hurt to try. Um, for my story, um, you know, did my boss want me to continue to be bitchy and complaining about everything and about other people, about the work? And did she want me to frequently walk to the vending machine and, you know, be unproductive and, and always looking for the next, you know, hit from the, from the vending machine? Uh, you know, did she want me to continually to resent her and the work and my, my fellow employees um, and rather than being uh, productive and accepting others as they are, do they want me to, I mean, just want me to just continue to stuff food down my gullet to, to hide and mask all that resentment? Uh, I don't think so. And do they want to spend lots and lots of money on health care insurance for, for people like me who just ate and ate and were, you know, subject to illnesses that would cost the company lots of money? Um, you know, this, this, this is my disease. My disease in, in my cups, I am subject to all kinds of health, health issues. And, and, and it causes, you know, monetary loss, not, not just not from stealing, not just, you know, from ineffectiveness at work and, and being ineffective and, and unhappy with other people at work, but it costs money to employ somebody like me who was overeating all the time and, and, and 140 pounds heavier than I am now. Um, and I, I, I just I see what that is, and I, I work for a rather large company, and uh, you know how much that costs my company is very you know is very significant. So um, this is a solution for people like me, um, and, and I think that bottom line is doesn't matter what the method is, it's the result, and the result for me is this program works. Um, this program works. My my health numbers. I, I in November was checked up and had all my blood work done, and my numbers are all in the normal range for the first time in my life. For the first time in my life, my cholesterol, my my sugar count, my my weight, it was all within the normal range. And the first time in my life, I'm 53 years old, and that's the first time I could report a normal finding that I was healthy, and I got all the insurance discounts as a result of that. So that was kind of an aside, but um, to be able to accept the job, to accept my boss as she is, to accept my coworkers as they are, to like them very, very much, to be so grateful that I have a job and that things are working so well for me, why, you know, why wouldn't an employer want that? And, and, and why wouldn't they, I mean, this is this is the solution for them as well as it is for me. And with that I'll pass. Thank you, Marsha. Would anyone else like to share on this paragraph? This is Kim. Kim, go ahead. Good morning, Christy. 
Good morning, my fellows. My name is Kim G, and I am a recovered compulsive overeater from South Jersey. To return to the subject of subject matter of this book, it contains full suggestions by which the employee may solve his problem. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that awesome? It's going to solve his problem. It's not going to be a temporary respite. It's not going to be a diet where we're going to lose 40 pounds and then gain it back. It's not a way that we're going to sit there and be able to white-knuckle it and be miserable while we're abstinent. It's going to solve our problem. What is our problem? Our problem is that we have this allergy of the body that when we ingest certain substances, we are going to crave those substances. And that will never change. But we have this larger aspect of the disease, which is the obsession of the mind, which tells us to go back to those substances and over and over again. And because of these steps, we can get to that place called recovered where we're going to be recoiling as if from a hot flame, where the obsession is going to be removed. We're going to have the neutrality, feel safe and protected around the food, and therefore never go back to the allergy. So they're saying that this is not a temporary solution. This is not a temporary recipe. It is going to solve his problem. And you won't need to understand it. Of course it's not. I mean, why would somebody think that if somebody is obese or somebody is anorexic or someone's bulimic, that if they get a relationship with God, that will go away? That seems kind of crazy. Come on. Regulate your food. Moderate exercise. That will get rid of your problem. But it's letting the, the employer know, no, no, that's, this will solve their problem. And although it seems weird to you as a non-compulsive overeater, Look, it has worked for us. It says here, it has worked for us. Now, we by no means offer it as the last word, so we're not saying we know everything. We're not saying there's maybe there's other methods that might work, but we're saying we are united on this solution. We are united on these pages in this book because this subject matter in this book is going to show your employee how to solve his problem. And it says that, love it, whether your employee likes it or not, he learns the grim truth about alcoholism. We don't have to like this. We don't even have to believe in it in the beginning. What we see is people who have recovered. And we surrender to that process. Because believe me, if the steps in God is going to drive you out of OA, the food is going to drive you right back in. Because this is a progressive illness. So whether the employee likes it or not, he will learn the grim truth about alcoholism. Because if you are an alcoholic of my type, you are going to be beyond human aid. And as many times as you leave the room, you are going to be crawling your way back because that allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind is going to progress and become worse and worse and worse. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Who else would like to share on this paragraph? I'll jump in. It's Leah. Go ahead, Leah. Thank you. Definitely a strong message of hope in this paragraph. Uh, to return to the subject matter of this book, first of all, these pages you know, were penned by over 100 men and women who had recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And these pages that we study every morning uh, are a step-by-step guidebook for recovery. And as you... As you know, and I know, I mean, most textbooks get updated from time to time. People make new discoveries. They expand on the knowledge within its pages. They expand on the subject matter. But, uh, you know, 
the first 164 pages of this book, including all the introductory material, quote-unquote, you know, like the doctor's opinion, have been left untouched. Why is that? Why is that? Because since 1939, when this text was first published, nobody's been able to improve on the recovery program described in the first edition. So it says here, to return to the subject matter of this book, that's why today, uh, many, many years later, on, on uh, you know, February 26th, we're, we're, we're gathered together here early in the morning studying, studying its pages. It contains full suggestions suggestions by which the employee may solve his problem. Again, as Kim just stated, um, this is the message of hope and possibility. You know, this is not some uh, theatrical production that we put together in the morning just to entertain you at 7 a.m. Eastern time. This is real stuff here. You know, we have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. It says to you some of the ideas which it contains are novel. Perhaps you are not quite in sympathy with the approach we suggest. By no means do we offer it as a last word on this subject. I mean, the men and women who pen these pages, uh, they were humble. They know they have no monopoly. They don't have a monopoly on God. There are other ways to get to God. But this is a book that offers experience, strength, and hope, and it's no joke. It says... Uh, but so far as we are concerned, it has worked with us. These pages are penned by those who had recovered. It is their collective voice, their collective experience, their collective wisdom on how they got rescued out of the gutter. You know, these 100 men and women, they were last gaspers. These are people who lost everything and were soon to lose their lives. And then they were restored, and their families were reunited, and they got sober, and they stayed sober, and they, and they lived that way, and they were productive, and they became the husbands and the wives that they always wanted to be, and the fathers and the mothers that they wished they had been, but now could be, and they were able to contribute to, to society and to the workplace. It says, after all, you're not looking for results rather than for methods. What is the result we're looking for? I mean, if you don't know where you're going, any road will get you there. But here, they knew where they were going, and that was a spiritual awakening. That was the goal and the aim and the objective. That was the result they were looking for. So, you know, five years, five years after further progression in my illness, I shared with you last last week about uh, – my employment with, with uh, Mr. John Shalpak and how he sat me in his office and how he uh, expressed his concerns and how he said he saw a spark in me and, and how, how could he help me. And, 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 I, and I refused that help. Five years after further progression and further destruction in my disease and now I was in a different uh, workplace, I, I myself marched in to my boss and said, I need to take a temporary leave of absence due to my illness of compulsive overeating. I am checking into a rehab. And you know what? When I walked into that rehab, you know what they handed me? They handed me this book. That was January of 1987. These principles, these steps have solved my problem. I am now recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. Not a theatrical production. That's the truth. And that's the message of hope that this book offers and that I carry that message today. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leah.
I'm Christine. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. And, um, you know, the end of this paragraph says, whether your employee likes it or not, whether he likes it or not, he will learn the grim truth about alcoholism. That won't hurt him a bit, even though he does not go for this remedy, for this remedy, this remedy that's outlined in the big book. And, you know, the first time I was presented with the the teaching in the the doctor's opinion that says, Christy, someone like you, if you're like us, if you're like us, the people that we talk about in the big book, um, you've got you've got a twofold problem. And you know, others have mentioned it today, this morning. You know, what is my problem? I have an allergy, an abnormal reaction to certain foods that when I ingest them into my body, my my body, you know reacts abnormally to those. You know, for me, for me, I've identified, you know, sugar, fat, flour, volume. That's just me. That's just me. That's my story. And I knew that, you know, that resonated with me when I heard it. But the greater aspect of my disease, as other people have mentioned, is the obsession of the mind. The obsession of the mind that even though those foods cause me trouble and even though I might know those foods cause me trouble, I can't stop from eating them. I cannot stop from eating them. And what the big book says is we have a solution that works for both aspects of your disease. You know, you put the food down, you know, however, you know, however you put the food down, you know, working with my doctor, working with my sponsor, I'm going to put the food down, which is what I did. And then once the food is down, I'm going to pick up the big book. And once that was presented to me, it made sense. Did I want it to make sense? No, I didn't. No, I didn't. Are you kidding me? I wanted to sit on the couch, eat whatever I wanted, and not suffer the consequences. But I had tried that for years, and it did not work. Wishing my disease were different did not work for me. Hoping someday things would magically change without me taking any action did not work for me. Why can't I be magic? That didn't work for me either. None of that worked for me. It wasn't until I put the food down and I picked the big book up that things changed. I ha- you know, this is a program of action. It's not a program of sitting on the couch, it, you know, which is what I did. For years I did that. For years and years, you know, I had to... I had to pick up this kit of spiritual tools. I had to have that transformation of thought and action. And I had to work a program of action. You know, I had to take action. I had to actually physically not compulsively overeat. I mean, that was that was how it played out for me. And, um, you know, that grim truth about alcoholism in my case was, what offered me hope. You know, I finally knew the boom was lower, the anvil hit me on the head, and I, I knew, I knew in my heart that that was the truth for me. I knew that that was the truth for me. And, you know, thank God, I, I went for the remedy that was outlined in the book, but it took me years before I was presented with this solution and you know, decades of compulsive overeating and thousands of experiences where I tried to throw everything I had at this disease to change it before I said, I'm done. I am done. I don't care what it takes. I'll do anything. I will do anything. And that's where I was. That's where I was. Um, When, 
you know, that that magic transformation, if you will, happened for me. And with that, I'll pass. Um, why don't we have Eddie, why don't you read the next two paragraphs for us, if you could, please. Good morning, it's Eddie. The next two paragraphs? Yes, please. The part where it starts with, we suggest. Okay. I'm 144. Yeah. Um, I'm outside. I'm just trying to get my gloves off. <laughs> okay. Okay. Um, <laughs> that's okay. Uh, let's see. We suggest you draw the book to the attention of the doctor who is to attend your patient during treatment. If the book is read the moment the patient is able, while acutely depressed, realization of his condition may come to him. We hope the doctor will tell the patient the truth about his condition, whatever that happens to be. When the man is presented with his volume, it is best that no one tell him he must abide by its suggestions. The man must decide for himself. Well, I know that from my own experience, I had to decide for myself. And the first time I tried this particular brand of treatment, OA, I found that I could not accept what was written here, even though it slammed me in the face like it was the truth, that I wasn't, just, I wasn't ready. I was not ready to accept that this was the only way I had to go. As I heard someone say years ago, it was the last house on the block, and I wasn't willing to go there. And it took another six months, and I don't know how many more pounds, before I realized that it was the last house in the block, and if I didn't get back, I was going to be dead. So, you know, when, they're, when, when you're ready, you're ready, I guess. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just that when God, when you listen to what God is trying to tell you, when you open your heart to see that this is the solution, uh, that's, that's when you pick up the book and, and, the, and the toolkit and uh, get to work. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Eddie. Who else would like to share on these two paragraphs? This is Helena. May I share? Sure, Helena. Go ahead. I find this amazing. The last several paragraphs are absolutely amazing. We are talking again to the employer. The employer is not interested in having us find love, fellowship, and support and be able to struggle with our compulsion. No, the employer is looking for results. There is enough confidence in these paragraphs, in this last paragraph, show the doctor. We are absolutely convinced that this is a way that works. We're not saying the way that works, but this is a way that works. And how do we know it works? Because we have recovered. And so can the employee. So can the patient. There is great confidence here. We, if I want to reach out to someone who is still suffering, do I have that confidence? Can I say you can recover if you do as I did and what I did was what this book says? Pass. Thank you, Helena. I thought I heard someone else. We've got time for another quick share. This is Janice. Yeah, Janice, go ahead. Thank you, Christy. Thank you. So what we're talking about in this paragraph here, I believe, is perhaps, you know, the, the patient, the alcoholic, might be hospitalized in order to get free of the alcohol. So we suggest you draw the book to the attention of the doctor who is to attend your patient during treatment. You know, and, and it, can be, it can be as good for the doctor attending him to read this 
doctor's opinion, the early chapters in the big book especially, as it is for the patient. But the patient, the moment the patient is able, while acutely depressed, that's the best time. That's the best time. You know, pain is the greatest motivator to effectuate change, we like to say. And when that patient is at the bottom, separated from the alcohol, that's when the head gets cracked open and the light can shine in. When, when I could see, when separated from the food, and at my craziest, because I wanted to pick up again, then the information, once the man is cleared, the information can be oh so much more significant. And we hope the doctor will tell the patient the truth about his condition. So what physically has this disease done to you? What physically has this disease done to you? And those of us that were brave enough to go to the doctor probably heard all of that. And we heard this morning the turnaround that can happen, the great numbers, the physical transformation. But at this point, you know, we hope the doctor is truthful about what the physical manifestations of this disease are. But once again, the bottom line is we cannot make a person willing. The man must decide for himself, am I all in or am I all out? Is this thing for me? Do I want to try it? Do I want to work it? Do I want to put aside all my doubts, all my fears, and just dive in just for today? You know, and, and if the man decides that he wants to try our way, then everything is possible. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Janice, and thank you to everyone who has shared. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Helena, would you read that for us, please, a vision for you? Okay. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order, but obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right, and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.